Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to this, the um, Legends podcast. And this is a special edition um, you'll notice there's no intro or outro to this one because um, on the back of the murders in Atlanta last week, um, Nina, who is the founder of Harfu Ladies and who is also the founder of a mastermind for Asian women, in, um, in she's based in Japan, is here today to talk about um, what has come out of this for her and for for her business, what she wants to do, and for Asian women from her perspective. So we're doing this kind of ad hoc, um, and we're going to talk through what this has meant to her um, and as an Asian woman um, with an Asian mom who lives in America. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously something that's very close to our hearts. Um, I want to be very clear here that I'm not here to be a do-gooder or to try and put the spotlight on myself. I want to be very, very clear about that. This is going to be handed over to Nina as soon as possible. And we wanted to record this as soon as we possibly could so that we can, um, first of all, honour the people who were murdered. Um, and secondly, um, rescue, <laughs> how can I say not rescue, um, talk about how this impacted Nina and what came from it for her and how she's going to take this forward in her, the way she embodies being an Asian woman. So hi, Nina. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today, Sarah. It's you're, always you're a so, pleasure to talk with you. So, so very welcome. Um, so um, the first thing I'd like us to do is just to take a moment to um, to honor the eight people who um, were murdered last week. Um, so, we dedicate this to you. Sun Cha Kim, Yong A Yu, Hyun Jae Grant, Soon Si Park, Delena Ashley Yuan, Paul Andre Michels, Zhao Ji Tan, Dao Yo Feng, and Elysius R. Hernandez Ortiz, um, this is this is for you, and for uh, anybody else who feels like they would like to claim this for themselves. Okay, apologies for becoming a little bit uh, upset there. It was um, it just makes me feel incredibly sad. I want to be really clear here as well. We're not here to have a political discussion about this at all. Is that right, Nina? Yeah, if we, it goes we'll, try, we'll try not to. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever that comes out of it, but we will try not to make it political. That's not the, the core of what we want to talk about today. And there's enough being said, I think, mm -hmm. by enough people who can say it way more eloquently than certainly than me. I'm sure not you. Mm -hmm. um, and if it goes in that direction, then that's fine. But um, Nina also um, requested that 
because our conversations very often organically grow and have things emerge from them, we're going to uh, take that route as well. So that's the setup for this conversation. And I really um, hope you can feel that the, you, the listeners or, or people who are watching this can really feel our intention and what we're, where we're going with this. Um, so um, it's not confined to just to America or to Canada, because um, there's been other incidences of uh, Asian mass murders. Um, I think somebody mentioned one in 2004 where uh, one Asian kid killed three other Asian kids. Um, but then talking about internalized hatred as well. This is the kind of areas where I've been researching as well. Um, so Nina, I'm going to hand this over to you to just take it however you want to. There was a beautiful post that you wrote on our uh, a group that we're both members of. Um, but it's up to you where you want to where you want to take this. So please go ahead. Thank you. Um, so the shooting just happened last week and being in Japan, we were a little delayed from hearing about it unless I was online. And the way I found out about it was through my friend who I work on the mastermind with. She messaged me late at night just saying if I needed space to talk about what happened to, to let her know that we can hold that space together. And then I was like, what was happening? So that's when I found out when I went online of what happened. and. <clears throat> um, I think, unfortunately, being from the U.S. or growing up in the U.S. and knowing the news, the gun violence isn't anything new. But when it hits close to home like this, when it's uh, people that was, when it was targeted due to race, um, and that race being someone who I am, who my mother is, who a lot of my friends are, that really, really did hit close to home. And um, I know the following days, um, many of my Asian friends, my Hafu friends, especially women, um, we talked about it, it and it really triggered a lot of um, the our own racism that a lot of us faced growing up, whether we're mixed race, Asian or not. Um, you know, even for myself, my my nickname in middle school growing up was just simply Asian. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but if you think about it, it's just, it's ridiculous that that's what a nickname was. And I know that I'm very lucky that I didn't face as much racism as some of my other friends who have told me their stories. But nonetheless, there's a lot of um, fetishization that has happened around Asian women uh, in all over the world uh, in media. And um, this has caused a lot of people to, or the media and the society to see Asian women as submissive uh, victims, essentially, of other people's power. Mm. And so it has a lot of those emotions has emerged in the last week. Um, I know I uh, put a call out there for my Hafu ladies community in our safe private group that we have online to start a thread just so that people can talk with each other and share their stories. Um, and it really brought out um, a lot of emotions in people. I was, um, it was, it was really scary and sad to see what our own members have had to face throughout their lives. Um, and on social media, just as it was with uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, all these people are starting to post about hashtag stop Asian hate right. um, and uh, standing in solidarity, whether it's good or not. I, I have mixed feelings about it because sometimes it feels very performative to me. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I just want to cut in here, Nina, and just I'd love you to give a little bit of background here. And there's three things I'd love to give you you to give mm -hmm. us the background of here so number one mm -hmm. what's your story uh mm -hmm. racially mm -hmm. um what's your what was your uh I, you can tell me that however you mm -hmm. want number two 
um, Hafu Ladies, if you could just tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. And also, I think it's worth mentioning, especially if you're not listening from inside Japan, mm -hmm. the genesis of the word Hafu and how people um, use that, because it, it may seem very... Um, um, foreign offensive. to some people <laughs> like very offensive and also yeah. like a bit weird but um right. we, we should i think just cover those three sure. things just as a bit of background so can you tell Absolutely. us about your your family story and what your yeah. yeah so um i was born in tokyo to a japanese mother and uh, american white father and we moved to the states in 2000 when i was eight years old and um I think <clears throat> I know that for me, it was really confusing growing up because uh, I was always pulled in both directions. Do I, am I supposed to act more Japanese, more Asian? Am I supposed to, uh, to immerse myself in the American culture that I'm part of? And it was co this constant push and pull. And sometimes my if my mom and I got into fights, she'd be like, you're too American. And it's like, well, what do you want me to be? I'm living in America. Yeah. And um, as we, as I got older, it's been really wonderful to be able to um, have more um, raw conversations with my parents, especially with my mother about her experience. And some of the things saying, you know, she was just dropped in America, never having lived there, not knowing anything about it. And just being told to raise this child and have take care of a family and she had no idea there were no no rules there was no one else helping her through that and uh, I know that she herself faced a lot of racism due to not knowing the language as well um, I remember we had uh, an exchange student from Brazil staying with us um, when I was in middle school and my mother would make us Japanese food and the, the exchange student didn't really understand it. To her, it was too foreign and she didn't like it. And that's okay, she was only 17 as well. Uh, she was only a teenager as well, but I know that really hurt my mother. Um, and I know that's not an uncommon story for a lot of Asian families in, in America. Uh, their white neighbors telling them their food is stinky or uh, it's gross, things like that. And it is heartbreaking and that unfortunately is something that a lot of us have faced. I remember my mom used to make me bento lunches when I started going to a public high school and uh, the other kids, I was a new kid, so there was already high stakes in trying to fit in, but uh, some of the kids would tell me my food is gross or stinky. And after a while, I think I just started eating the cafeteria lunch, which was just pizza every day. <laughs> not healthy but a way to assimilate into the culture so i have something to ask you about here so in the post that you posted on the group that we're both members mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. you mentioned about being um white passing i'm just mm -hmm. interested can you just tell us what that means yeah so um i used to work, use the use the term white passing and nowadays from what i can tell it seems it's better to use white presenting um okay, yeah yeah oh yeah okay. that's okay that's okay because yeah passing is like oh you're good enough you look enough white that you yeah. can pass for one of us sort of yeah connotation um yeah. and then for me um i am white presenting because i can blend in with white people i am half white um though often in america people think i'm hispanic yeah, or or just can't yeah. yeah i just can't tell what i am <laughs> Um, but enough, so I don't look Asian enough that people will pin me as Asian 100% of the time. So sometimes when we're talking about Asian American experience or the Asian immigrant experience as well, I don't know where I fall in. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm allowed to be scared um, and worried uh, as much as my uh, fully Asian friends who live in the US or otherwise. So that's another layer of, how would you describe that? It's, Stress, ambiguity, another thing to think about if you're- It's almost like I sometimes have 
a feeling of imposter syndrome, but then I have to bring myself back and check myself and say, no, I have still been discriminated for my Asian cultural, cultural aspects and heritage that I uphold and my family has upheld. Um, and, um, and in Japan as well, and in America as well, have experienced the fetishization um, and people saying this and this because you're Asian and whatnot. Hmm. And yes, because you get it from both sides, right? Mm -hmm. you, you can either here nor there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thing. Interesting. So that brings me to let's let's address the term hafu first. Mm -hmm. Can you just describe? Tell me what hafu yeah. means and how you have claimed that, or mm -hmm. how how that works out. Mm -hmm. So the term hafu is widely used. It come it it's uh, historically comes from Japan uh, in the sense that. Technically, it's a, it comes from the word half in English, which then is translated into Japanese, which, Japanese, which sounds like hafu, and it means for people who are half Japanese. And especially for people post-war, it was quite a derogatory term. And so as a generational difference, a lot of the older uh, mixed-race Japanese, uh, half Japanese people, they find it to be uh, much more triggering or offensive and for some people in my generation as well um, in saying that I grew up not using that word my parents didn't use that word at they there I was a child in the 90s so that's when the the term double was coined as the correct one which is also uh, problematic in itself um, and Hafu a lot of us now have reclaimed that meaning. For me, I, when I returned to Japan when I was 23, I didn't really feel like I belonged. To me, I was coming home. I was coming back to my motherland. And yet everyone here greeted me as a foreigner, as an, an other sort of being. And it wasn't until two years after I moved here that I discovered that there is a whole community for half Japanese, mixed race Japanese people, the Hafu community. And that's when I started really taking pride in my identity and knowing that there are others that I can relate to and understand. Uh, yeah, and so to me, it's a term of pride. And again, I can't speak for everybody in our community, but for me, that's what it is. And I know from some others that I've talked to, they really, where they grew up, they really didn't have any term to call themselves. And when they came to Japan and found that term, they finally felt like they understood themselves better and, and where they belonged in a good way. So um, I think that's really empowering. I think there's a lot of uh, positivity that comes with uh, that term. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in this Hafu community and you saw an opportunity there, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, what happens next? Yeah, so there's quite a few Hafu community groups online, uh, on Facebook mostly, and a lot of people that get together, especially before COVID, getting drinks, whatnot. But there were times when I felt like I wanted to ask questions, pose questions to the group, or have discussions that related more to something that only came out of being a woman or for women to be able to relate to. And I really didn't feel comfortable being able to have those conversations in groups where uh, parents of mixed-race Japanese kids were and men were. Yeah, and, it's uh, not gonna be a thread like women's thread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, so I, I knew that there had to be a community for us women to stick together. And since there wasn't one, I created one. And um, it's been two and a half years now, and we have over 1,200 members worldwide. Wow. And congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, absolutely an empowering group. It really did start off with just simply talking about our makeup and dating life and whatnot, but it has. Uh, blossomed into a space where we can educate ourselves, educate each other, be able to have raw discussions without judgment. 
uh, truly a safe space. And I know that a lot of um, members have come to me to thank me uh, for creating that space. space. And I always feel very humbled because it, it started with me coming up with the idea, but obviously it would be nothing if it was, if it just remained just me. So um, it's amazing to see how everyone in the group has taken on um, the, the group and the leadership together and have made it into what we have today. Yeah, and, but I'd, I'd also like to, I, I completely understand what you mean about being humbled because a group is only as good as its members. On the other hand, I think that I would like to honor you in saying, and this is something that somebody said, if you remember at the end of last year, we had a gratitude session and I can't remember who it was now, but somebody said, Nina, you've got the X factor. Mm. And I can't, I cannot uh, stress enough how true that is, that you do have the X factor, the it factor, that mm. like thing that magnetizes people to you. And I don't want you to underestimate that by any means whatsoever. Now, of course, when a group becomes that big, you need like layers of uh, help and, mm -hmm. and people to bring it together, but it, it does take for somebody to spark it and mm -hmm. to magnetize people towards them and then to keep that going. And I know there's been times when you've had to put your foot down and stop all kinds of stuff going on within your group, including <laughs> uh, race, anti-black racism and all kinds of things. We've had all kinds of conversations about that, but that's mm -hmm. not for today. Um, what we're talking about today is, I'd be interested to know actually um, from your Hafu Ladies group, what is three common themes that come up that are either uniquely Asian or uniquely Hafu? Hmm, three common themes. Or three kind of I themes think, that often yeah. come up for people. I think a huge one is language. Oh. Um, there's the stereotype, especially in Japan, that if you're mixed race, then you quote unquote, obviously speak English yeah. or that you know both of your parents and know both of your countries. And those are quite more uncommon. I think um, there's a lot of people who only speak Japanese or speak uh, only another language that's not English or Japanese. Um, a lot of people who only know one of their parents who've only ever lived in one country, whether that is Japan or the the other country or completely a different one as third culture kids. And so there's just so there's just so much diversity within the community that there's no one way that a Hafu person is. And in saying that, um, even with all of that, everyone is tied to the common factor that we all have some roots to being Japanese. And so for people who don't speak Japanese, it's a huge complexity. And that's a common, uh, theme that has come up with people saying, oh, can I join the group? I don't speak Japanese or um, like I never felt like I could claim my Japanese-ness because I don't speak the language or never been to Japan, things like that. So that's a that's a huge um, aspect of our community. Um, so do you allow everybody, like, do you make this a very, very welcoming and open space for, for everybody to be Hafu in their unique way? Absolutely. And I know that I've had my own struggles trying to make it as bilingual as possible. I know that, again, English and Japanese aren't the only languages that are common, but those are the two that at least I can do. Um, and from the help of others, um, make posts as bilingual as possible. I tend to gear my own, I, I can express myself better in English. So sometimes I have issues with that, but I do ask for help and I want it to be I wanted to become more of an accessible group for uh, people who are mon monolinguistic as monolingual as well. So this kind of leads us into, um, I would say, I mean, you called this a microaggression, but I would call it an aggression that you um, mm -hmm. experienced last week. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like a good pivot point to me, Nina. If, if you disagree, then please take it in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so last week, in the midst of everything going on in, in the United States, um, I experienced what was one of the rather worse harassments I've experienced in Japan. 
um, or anywhere, I guess. Um, I was out to dinner with two of my friends, two guys who are white Americans, um, who have both lived in Japan a long time, who understand Japanese. And um, we, yeah, we were out and uh, these women came up to us originally because they wanted to chat to the boys. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but uh, very quickly, the attention came to me when I said something in Japanese and uh, the woman who was speaking to me said, oh, your job, and this is all happening in Japanese. Oh, your Japanese is so good. And I just say, oh, I'm Japanese. And it's really interesting to see. It's just true. There's nothing about that. And then um, it's really interesting to see how people react to that because being told that my Japanese is good is something that happens on a daily basis. Um, and so when I said that, she asked if I was Junjapa, which means pure Japanese. And I always answer, I will, I answer differently depending on where I see the environment going. Okay. So, so I just, can I just, mm -hmm. I just want to say here, that's emotional labor right yeah. there, um, Nina. I've, I've got goosebumps now thinking about that because you having to constantly assess mm -hmm. how you can answer that question, mm -hmm. whether it comes from whatever background somebody is, that's emotional labor right there. It mm -hmm. reminds me of code switching that um, mm -hmm. uh, black Americans talk about. Yeah. Do, yeah, Does this absolutely. seem relatable? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And the fact no, that I have that. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so you can tell that if someone, well, I could tell that if she's already accusing me of not being pure Japanese or questioning that, then it's already a hostile situation. And so I don't need to, she's not coming at me truly curious. She's not coming at me uh, in a in a way that she wants to converse with me. If it was a different situation, if someone asked me if I was Hafu, I'd be happy to say that. Um, but the way she worded it, I didn't want to explain to her, oh, my dad's white and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not her business. So I just said, I'm Japanese. You know, that's a fact. I didn't say I'm pure Japanese, whatever the, you know, whatever the crap that means. <laughs> and uh, so I just, said I'm Japanese and I'm gonna leave it at that um and then she she kept calling me a liar she announced to the whole room that oh this girl thinks she's Japanese um and just kept just digging at me digging at me even after we were like please leave us alone we're just you know enjoying a night um and then she said no but I'm I'm questioning it because you're pretty and I'm like, that's not a compliment. Uh, Japanese people are pretty as well. Everyone's pretty, but you know, she's like, no, but you're different. You're not the Japanese type looking and whatever, however else the conversation was, she just kept digging at it. And um, about 10, 15 minutes into the, into the conversation, she finally kind of left us alone and we just decided to leave the place and um, she blocked the doorway and uh, saying, oh, we should hang out again. We're thinking, no way, no, the audacity to even ask or say that. It's just like everyone in the room could tell that this person was making me uncomfortable. My friends were uncomfortable um, and we left and I didn't hear this, but my friend heard her say behind after we left, the girl's like, oh, that girl's so not Japanese and just continues to continue to do that um my friends are shocked and asked if I endure that often and to that scale not as often but very similarly yes very often um I've had people I think as well right or mm -hmm. acquaintances too and mm -hmm. I know you've described that to me before mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's I've done this in workshops I've held before but when else, like how often do people get questioned for when they answer where, where they're from or 
or what their ethnicity is not like I think I think the fact that so many of us mixed race people or third culture kids or whatnot um, have to uh, are doubted of who we are by complete strangers or people who just recently meet us it's just exhausting and it's 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 yeah it's just exhausting it's frustrating it's just like why do you think why would I be lying about that I'm not I'm not playing around here it's yeah, a simple I'm question I'm a fully grown woman and I think yeah. crucially what I take away from this is that well there's two things curiosity so it's interesting as you say if somebody's truly curious mm -hmm. but what I'm even thinking now to myself is like my curiosity can actually take a back seat mm -hmm. for your relaxation like it's just none of my business it's not my bit even if I'm curious it's not my business mm -hmm. and that's not to that's not not to take away from people who are curious because you've just talked about that but it what I'm taking away is it, it just isn't my business like yeah it's not my business there's so many other things I could compare it to but I want to keep it to this I would like to keep it to this particular subject topic uh and keep it in the in the in, in, in very much in the ballpark of the asian experience here nina mm -hmm. um i'm sorry you had to deal with that that's horrible and i know it's not the first time that that kind of things come up for you um however something amazing came out of it mm -hmm. but I want to wait for that because I want to ask you something else. Okay. So you are at the moment a DEI specialist, a diversity, equity and inclusion specialist. And you've started to give workshops and you approach it from the half of experience, which I think gives an awful lot of richness. Um, as I've mentioned, I have pulled away from DEI or DNI completely for now mm -hmm. until I feel that I've got a richer experience of that because mm -hmm reasons so, <laughs> <laughs> reasons which I think are implicit anyway there's there's just reasons I just feel like I need to beef up on that a little bit more although if I get onto the board of directors of a certain organization I am going to be on their DEI because they need a person like me on there to shake mm. it up okay mm, so my <laughs> question to you is this from the Asian experience what is missing in DEI I mean, I don't even know where to begin. That's a, that's a big, big question. Um, I guess it could differ from from place to place. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me that I've also have been thinking about the last week is everyone saying the Asian American experience, the Asian American experience, and not to not to divide anyone up, but I think there is a huge difference also between the Asian immigrant experience and the Asian American experience. Okay. And, and I think there needs to be more stories told of all, of all of those Asians that are encompassed in the different paths that we take. There's a lot of people that um, have worked so hard to immigrate to another country and start a new life there not knowing the culture not knowing the language um and there are people who were born in for example in in the united states but because of and feel fully american but are othered because of their physical asian looks um i think there needs to be yeah there needs to be more understanding of what those the diversity within all of the Asian people uh, in these communities and what they face and and how they can differ where they're where they intersect um, and how as a whole we can all be supportive and there for each other no matter what the each individual stories look like because it is different and it, it's I don't know I, I'm get I'm starting to feel quite uncomfortable right now so I'm going to mm -hmm. just name that right now because mm -hmm. one Asia is massive yeah hugely diverse mm -hmm. in the uk when we mention asian we actually mean bangladeshi mm -hmm. um pakistani indian um but even just saying that makes me feel deeply uncomfortable mm -hmm. um um for whatever reason but i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just noting that 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Um, and then we call, and then, then there's Chinese people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and they, they've been, the Chinese communities are in every city in every, every part of the world anyway. So just part of the fabric of any city. Mm -hmm. So it, there is this diverse experience going on here. I feel really out of my depth saying, talking about this now, Nina, but it mm -hmm. just feels very, I think what's happening here is the, the system of America and the system of in, in the UK kind of colonialism mm -hmm. is being revealed quite strongly. And mm -hmm. this, what happened last week is, is surfacing some... Mm -hmm. So I'm just talking about it from a systems coaching perspective. It's really mm -hmm. surfacing and revealing something completely almost ignored. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, tell me where I'm wrong, that this experience has been almost invisible um, from, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I can only think of really stupid stereotyped things like the karate kid or, <laughs> or you know, like, or the odd person who shows up in a show here or there or mm -hmm. something or, you know, or apocalypse now, or, mm -hmm. you know, all these places where these, um, I feel like I need to hand over to you here. I think, I yeah, I think one of the things that, um, that we start to recognize with what happened was there's still a massive divide between races um, in, when we're talking about Asians and, non-Asians, I guess. Um, but like you said, like in every city, every country, there's a Chinatown. Or in like Seattle, for example, we have an international district, which is encompassing all um, many different Asian communities that kind of coexist together. Um, and uh, for example, um, my, my cousins, my American cousins are also half Japanese. And uh, they grew up mostly in Minneapolis and, and Minneapolis has a huge uh, uh, Somalian and Hmong community. So Hmongs are Asians. And um, I know that a lot of people in Minnesota say, but you know, Minneapolis has the biggest population of Hmong people outside of, um, outside of Asia, um, we were diverse and we respect their culture. And it's like, no, they're still kind of in their own area. And it's not fully immersed within the larger city. And I think there's just such a divide in that sense. And so people don't feel a sense of unification or like, uh, not even coexisting because I don't really like that word or cohabitating. I don't like that word either, but like really immersed within each other's um, communities and cultures and diverse in that sense. There, there, that still doesn't exist. Yeah. And why should it to some degree? I, I don't mm. know how to describe that, but yeah, you know, you know, I don't have people coming around here for fish and chips on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I, that's a really stupid thing to say. And I'm sure it's just, upset people I uh, I apologize I'm uh, I'm kind of I'm, I'm at the edge of my kind of my knowledge at the moment if you mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um I'd like to kind of pivot at some point but I also want to note and this kind of relates to what we're talking about here mm -hmm. and back to kind of what I just mentioned about invisibility or just kind of oh there's that as well mm -hmm. oh it's <laughs> This, this is a racist issue too, but um, mm -hmm. that these people were considered to be disposable. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's worth mentioning that a lot of them were sex workers as well. And that's what, that's what their, um, that's what, what their profession was. And just, so there's just so many layers of disposability yeah. through their, yeah what's been revealed over the last I'd say last year but it's been many many years in the making and it's only being revealed to the people who didn't know it so it's 400 years in the making 500 mm -hmm. years in the making mm -hmm. um so yeah so based on this kind of invisibility and this sense of 
not holding power and this sense of what was the hashtag you mentioned earlier um stop asian hate stop asian hate you had an epiphany is that right yeah so after go ahead yeah after experiencing the harassment last week um i left the place and kind of went to bed really frustrated and um one one side of me is like oh i wish i could have punched that person obviously not the right answer or the right move and i didn't do it uh but oh, punch um, the person who was yeah who was who was uh talking to me your word yeah yeah and uh another part of me is like i wish i spoke up and i was just kind of frozen in the moment but with that with that in mind and the other aspect being that after the 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 shooting last week you know everything's on social media and and people are hashtagging stop asian hate or suddenly you know have coming up with lists of five asian women owned businesses to 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 support and things like that i was or like talking about the fetishization of asian women and media and such i was like where are the stories of the asian women who are breaking out of those stereotypes and breaking out of the mold like where can i hear their stories what why aren't those being talked about right now well in saying that i know there's a lot of hurt that's going on it's not the time to just be quote unquote positive let's just focus on the positive things let's just celebrate i know that's not the right move but i think there is also still an importance of telling um our power and our brevity and our strength amidst uh situations like this because i would be like i would be lying if i said asian women are some of the most resilient women i've met in my life and and as if like i mean we live in japan and but i mean that's not just like it, it's just normal for, for to be powerful people around yeah. like this this lens through which we look at things is so weird sometimes isn't it mm -hmm. nina because mm -hmm. like oh surprise there are powerful people out there there are powerful asian women out there powerful asian men out there surprise mm -hmm. like really i, I don't know it, sh it shouldn't come as a surprise but <laughs> yeah but so yeah in, in the midst of scrolling through social media i was like I wonder if there's anything out there if I looked for hashtag powerful Asian women. Literally only one account, one person uh, who uses the hashtag regularly. Even on the, um, even just amidst that, like not a lot of people using the hashtag, less than a thousand posts uh, in a, on a platform that has millions and millions and millions of people. Mm -hmm. And hashtag powerful asian woman singular only two posts and those are your podcasts <laughs> and, I, I added them after you called me in right yeah it, yeah you called me in so the fact that it was zero was just like it seems like a maybe maybe if i look more deeply you know strong asian women or what not there could yeah, be very strong has variety. a different sorry sorry to interrupt you nina but i want yeah. to say strong has a different kind of thing oh you're so strong it's like you're constantly struggling powerful yeah. is like owning it that's it yeah exactly it's owning it it's <laughs> like somebody says to me oh sarah you're so strong it's like very <laughs> powerful it feels different it feels like yeah. something different it's like an ownership it's like something yeah. that's inherent or i don't know how to describe guess what there are people out there asian women out there who are just bloody brilliant and not mm -hmm. struggling or have to be strong or mm -hmm. resilient or any of this kind of stuff and you said resilient and that's fine too but it's just mm -hmm. like uh, this is different yeah and i was just i mean come on really yeah i was just so shocked by um yeah how how that was lacking and i felt yeah. like now is the time to tell those stories and circling it back to um Hafu ladies i post so i posted about the thread you know this is a safe thread this is a safe space we can talk about 
how this past week's uh, shootings have affected us. How are you feeling? Checking in. People started telling their own stories and their own experiences and um, without giving away um, anything about anyone, um, someone told their really triggering, really scary experience they lived through. But at the end of the, her comment, she said, but I know I'm more than the fetishized person people saw me as because I'm hashtag a powerful Asian woman. And I was literally like in tears. Like, I was like, she's owning it. <laughs> like she's owning it. Like, um, regardless of how much that catches on, I was like, this touched this one person in the moment. And like that in itself was so powerful in itself. <laughs> so I think there's an importance in talking about the power that we hold, um, the, yeah, the things that we have accomplished and continue to accomplish, um, especially regardless of how society has portrayed us. Um, and, and I hope that that's something, that's a narrative that we can continue to tell. And it's truly what I've learned from you, Sarah, and coaching is turning our victim stories into our hero stories. And this was a moment when I was like, oh, like this is really like part of my hero narrative and, and could be part of a lot of people's hero, hero, heroic narratives as well. Yeah, I, lo I love it. I, I'm just, it's really starting to settle in for me what that, that means. And, you know, there's a time and a place back to not your fucking business. It's nobody mm -hmm. else's business but within that safe space for mm -hmm. people to say, this happened to me, it sucked, but I'm a powerful Asian woman. And that's what you can take out into the world. Mm -hmm. There's no need to be vulnerable or play that whole card because that's already the kind of default mm -hmm. thinking perhaps of many people outside of Asia, of course, because in, yeah. <laughs> in Asia, <laughs> Uh, all women allowed to be all the different kinds of things that they get to be, right <laughs> yeah yeah like uh you know our um governor koike mm -hmm. or you know or um you know the former prime minister of india or mm -hmm. you know like the, the everybody gets to be all the things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah it's uh it's a weird one isn't it and i'm loving i love how you are very again within a very safe space worked this through so this is a space that we're both members of not the Hafu ladies because of course that's not my space but a space where we're both members um and work this through and actually it's caught on a bit especially with some of the active members in that group have reposted your posts mm -hmm. and taken your call in what are the three words that you've really claimed for this feeling Nina um that Asian women are strong, brave, and powerful. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I posted it on social media. And um, this one person with um, a few dozen thousand, is that how you say, like 10,000 followers or something, she reposted it. And I was like shocked to see that. And um, yeah, so, so many people reposted it. And uh, I just loved seeing that so much. And I really hope that it does catch on a bit. Again, you know, a, a hashtag isn't going to change the world. But, but it can. Yeah, it's true. Yes, it can. And the leadership that you're showing and the ownership that you're taking and that turnaround that you did overnight is, is to me, is more powerful than any... If I was posting the Stop Asian Hate or what what hashtag or you know getting involved in that way because I, I i i take my cue from the people who are on the receiving end of the shit right mm -hmm. i don't take my cue from myself i can't mm -hmm. trust myself i was raised in england so mm -hmm. i need to be able to um i need to to humbly and powerfully actually it's an, an this is an empowered move for me this is not me being a victim or being bullied by people it's like i need to hand over that to somebody else and if i'm called in by somebody to do that mm -hmm. then that's like okay this makes sense to me this makes it's not performative it's it's um um it's important 
that's mm -hmm. all I can say. It feels important and it feels like something that needs to be done again and again and again. And this hashtag, I think, is something that I would love to see take off. And then you've got millions of hashtags, but not only that, Nina, this mm -hmm. is a moment for you as well. This is a moment for you. And it's a moment because you've taken something culturally um, where people are put are seen as victims and you're turning that around in some way or other hopefully with that ripple effect that will ripple out into the world this is a moment where you're showing great leadership great bravery great evolution of something really which could could really be like you know you could plug into that in a really victimy vi i don't want to mm -hmm. say victimy way because you know when but I, I could be sulking and what yeah, happened you could or, sulking or you know. you, and so on but you've turned it around and, and because I want to be very clear here that when I say victimy there, I mean victimy. It's not the right word because sometimes people are victims. The victims of the shooting are victims. Their family are victims when people are treated like that. They are yeah. victims. It's real victims, not sulky victimhood. I don't know how, again, I feel find myself clumsy and at a loss for what to say. Um, in the last Legends I conversation I had, we talked about this. Sometimes you are a victim. Yeah. And sometimes you're not, you're just telling yourself the story that you are to yeah. feel better somehow. But what you've done is taken something which is actually in play and mm -hmm. turned it around to something that makes sense for you and your sisters. Yeah. And, and, and like with what happened to me last week, again, people doubting who, where I'm from or what my ethnicity is, that's nothing new. And yeah. a lot of, most of the people in my mixed race Hakka community have faced that. But it's how we, respond to that people can say oh it, it happens it's normal or people can step up and say well let's freaking change that you know let's educate people let's let's stand up for ourselves and hopefully pave the way for next generations to not even have to go through what we did it's not shogunai you know it's not it can't be it can't be helped shogunai <laughs> is, is a is a popular a very very well used very useful Japanese phrase, <laughs> Yoganai means shit can't happens, be helped. can't be yeah. helped, um, never mind, it means yeah. a whole slew of things, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and it is sometimes helpful, but it also makes me mad, because yeah. there's a lot of times you can actually change it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, people behave like that towards you, because you're half Shogunai, it's like, no, I'm not Shogunai, I'm not having that one. Yeah, that exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even if just one person gets the gets the message, that's that's absolutely brilliant. So, um, so then, one of the ways that you are embodying, and this is this was in play before. One of the ways that you are embodying this powerful Asian woman, new archetype, not new uh, archetype that you are now bringing into into view, mm -hmm. is. Um, through this mastermind that you are doing. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I wanna be very clear for anybody who's listening or watching this is this, this is not as a result of this because guess what? Powerful Asian women were in play before, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> so you have been, had this kind of calling from the Hafu ladies to set up a, a mastermind of people who are really serious about taking their life and business forward so why don't you tell us a bit more about that nina yeah so um it, it's been in the works for since end of last year or so since end of 2020 um my friend christy and i um i think it's okay to say her name uh christy and i uh she she she's asian american we met through um in community events for Nikkei Japanese people uh, in What's Japan. What's Nikkei, by the way? So Nikkei is Japanese descendant people in other countries. I don't know if that's the official definition, but there's a lot of Nikkei Brazilians who are Japanese Brazilian who are born and raised in Brazil, for example. Yeah. Um, so Christy moved back to the States and she and I kept in touch and, and we both have always really been there for each other and between the two of us we've just had such a great time supporting each other through our endeavors and 
basically both of us being in our within our first five years of launching our own careers, businesses. She just uh, she just started her own company last year, and I went freelance last year and building up to that as well. So uh, we have felt so much energy and power from just the two of us working together. And we were like, this is brilliant. Like, why don't we do this with a bigger group? Uh, why there needs to be more support for Asian women like us. And especially because in a lot of spaces that are, uh, there are tons of groups for, you know, successful female entrepreneurs and uh, coaching even she's a Christy's a coach as well and in her program of 200 plus women she's or 200 plus people she's literally just maybe one handful of Asian people and I think a lot of a lot of us Asian women um, maybe because traditionally culturally we have there's a stereotype of a lot of our families wanting us to go in a, in a more stable career direction, whatnot. Um, it's really hard to break that uh, mold and be in a space where first we feel comfortable being ourselves as Asian women. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially if we don't have that knowledge or support from family or people around us um, it's really there's just something super powerful about being in a space where we can relate on not just like professional business level but on a uh, cultural level as well as an ident identity level as well and we really wanted to create that program for people like ourselves women like ourselves and hold each other accountable, help each other leverage our businesses or passion projects, turn that into business, um, and also have a sisterhood of people that we can, we can talk with and relate to. So if, yeah, so we're just really, really, really excited. We've literally been working tirelessly on this program for months. We, like some weeks, we just didn't sleep. <laughs> We were, she, she's in California, I'm in Japan, and we were both up at just odd hours, and just like, go to sleep, why are you going to sleep, I'm just too excited, and we're just, yeah. we're just working away on this program together, and so we're really, really excited to deliver this, it's, it's called Brave and Bold Mastermind. Brave and, and Bold Mastermind. Yeah, so we want to help people be more brave, courageous, and bold in the direction they're heading with their businesses, with their lives, um and be able to lean in on each other as well but one of the things that Asian women right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah for Asian women and uh it's not direct it's not specific to any industry but we're really hoping that each person that is in our cohort and we're limiting it to six people max yeah for this first first cohort um we're really hoping that each person can bring something to the table that they can give back into the community into our group as well as take away from the group so I know this is something that Sarah you told me and it really stuck with me with masterminds is you're only going to get as much as you put into it and at the end of the day you still have to put in the work yeah. to get shit done yeah. <laughs> and and it was really interesting to see when we, we did some info sessions what people think of what a mastermind is and you know we're we will have resources we will have guest speakers we will have accountability check-ins but at the end of the day it's not it's not us handing you the answers to take it yeah take it to the next level and that's something i've learned as well um and so i'm really excited to see what comes out of it and we're really hoping that the cohort can become really close with each other to a point where maybe some of the people will end up working together in different ways and whatnot. And whatever that emerges out of it is uh, very something that we're looking forward to. I mean, that, that often and always happens. I mean, you know, people will appear on other people's podcasts and stuff like that. We're talking about book projects, but I don't want to go too much further <laughs> than that right now because we're both incredibly creative and exciting people and um, and both leaders as well and both strong brave powerful women 
-hmm. and um and and it's inevitable it's inevitable that people start to influence or collaborate together in situations like that because there's just I don't know there's just so much opportunity for it and it's also a new and exciting way to do capitalism too (laughs) Um, that certainly needs an overhaul which is amazing so I is there anything else you want to say about that like where can people find the where what's the website for that because I would just love if you were able to attract some people to that who were really good fit and also who are willing it's not just putting the work in it's like in a mastermind you don't want any drag either it's like it's fine mm-hmm. to talk about what's bugging you or something like that but then it, it, it has to be iterative that's what I find with my masterminds is I want it to be iterative I don't want any drag in it I want it to be elevating if somebody's mm-hmm. having a bad day that's completely fine we don't create drag in the group as a result of it what we do is we kind of gather around that person and try and like problem solve for them and we all uh, and we all benefit from that activity that kind of mm-hmm. thing um I don't know. I, I, I find masterminds really exciting. What's yeah. like, where do we find you for that? Yeah. So we have a website. Um, it's actually Christy mm-hmm. Um, Christy created it for us. Thank you. <laughs> uh, backslash brave, bold 2021 backslash brave bold 2021 so if they put if somebody put into a google search christy brave bold 2021 it would probably come up i think so let me do it right now it will definitely come up on yours because your algorithms that's that's true um yeah um or um how do people join half the ladies half the ladies uh we have a facebook group and that is facebook.com backslash half the ladies for the public page people can follow us on and then from there you can find our private group as well and I'm still working on the website but it's coming along (laughs) coming along all right and um yeah because this is this is how things emerge and this is how things evolve and this is how things move forward the seeds are planted at some point and then comes something else and it gathers momentum and you know and um yeah and so yeah it just take it has its own time right it has its own mm-hmm. life these things mm-hmm. have their own times in life um i'm interested to know if you want to give a shout out to anybody uh like uh your strong asian woman i mean you've told us about your babby before who's your grandma who recently yeah. passed away 100 was she or 99 she was 99. Her 100th birthday was just two weeks ago. So she was just two months short of that. And she was an Great artist life. and she was cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, shout out to my mom, my aunt, my aunties. Um, they're, they're really powerful people. Mm-hmm. And they don't always voice it, but... Uh, they do so much backstage for our families and uh, again I'm always amazed by the life that my mom and my dad created together for us moving to the United States for my mom really not knowing anything about uh, living in the U.S. and starting from scratch in that sense and um, I still go to her for all my advice and I know they sit around and like listen to my uh, live streams and podcasts with our cat so <laughs> yeah and shout out to just all all everyone in Hafu ladies community all the allies that um, have been there for us as well I think you just hit on something there uh, Nina and um, we could talk about this all day as well which is they don't always voice it And that is one of the things I think that is so important to understand that strong does not necessarily mean loud or vocal Mm -hmm. or verbal. And that paradox of uh, of, um, things are different this side of the world. And it's 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 beautiful and interesting and um, and strong and powerful. And I don't say that with curiosity. I live here. 
mm-hmm. my life and it's not some exotic strange thing it's just a, another way to do life it's another way to do life where the silences are as important as the as the words exactly um and that doesn't mean that people are kind of submissive quiet women <laughs> or men mm-hmm. at all not at all so um beautiful um anything else that we haven't touched on that you would like to you would like to say we covered a lot today (laughs) um and I have my own lived experience but I know that my experience isn't everybody's experience so I want to thank you for holding me in this space and I hope maybe our conversation helps spark other conversations uh around the world in Japan wherever as well um and my heart really goes out to the people who have been hit really hard with the recent tragedy and knowing that hate crime against Asians have been increasing in the last year, but it's nothing new. And unfortunately we probably will continue to see a lot of this happen. And also black lives still matter. Um, All of us, all of the people who are in marginalized communities, exploited communities, everybody is hurting so I just want to hold everybody in our hearts and I hope that we can find ways to stand in solidarity and see some change in this world for real (laughs) yeah thanks Nina so to close out I just uh, think that was uh, beautifully put and I'd just like to now um honor the families of uh, Sun Cha Kim, Yong A. Yu, Hyun J. Grant, Soon C. Pa, um, Delena Ashley Yuan, um, Paul Andre Michaels, Zhao Ji Tan, Dao Yo Feng, and um, wish a speedy recovery to Elsius R. Hernandez Ortiz. Um, um, I wish, I hope you all uh, heal from this, uh, feel better in your grief. I'm really, really sorry for your loss. Nina, thank you for taking the time out today and letting me hold you here in my terribly clumsy but well-meaning fashion. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, you know, this can be of use to, to somebody somewhere. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not. But these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Furuya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Furuya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.